Thank you, Jamie. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning uh, and the joy that it is to celebrate the resurrection together. Lord, we thank you for the, all the things that go with this day and this weekend and uh, the ways in which we celebrate with family and celebrate with kids and uh, enjoy this day. And, uh, but Lord, my prayer for today uh, and this time would be that we hear from you and that we see the importance of your resurrection and what you have done for us, and that we might celebrate that, rejoice in that, and know the implications of what that means for us today. Would you take just a moment right where you're seated to ask the Lord uh, to speak to you from his word today? Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to finish what you started and to speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, well welcome to White Rock Fellowship. Happy Easter, it is a great day to be together. He is risen. risen Amen, he is risen. Amen, yes he is. And so today, that's why we celebrate. We gather with the church around the world to celebrate the truth of the fact that God became man. That Jesus, the fully God, fully man, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, showed us what God was like, and then died on the cross as we reflected on on Friday, and Good Friday, that his death on the cross was for you and for me, for all of our sins. Once and for all, he died for us. But that's not the end of the story, that he rose from the dead on Sunday morning as in conquering sin and death once and for all. And so we come and we sing, hallelujah, death is beaten. Christ is risen from the dead. We say, Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah, right? Why do we say hallelujah? Because it praise him. We rejoice. We celebrate in this truth. That this one thing that happened 2,000 years ago has changed everything about us. My hope today is that we both look back and, and remember what Jesus has done, but that we also take this time in the midst of a busy weekend to, to pause and to reflect on what are, these, what are the implications of the, of the resurrection. And to do that today, I, I want us to look at a prayer that was written by the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians that he prayed for the church. And what I want us to do today is to make this our prayer. Again, to pause and to pray and to ask the Lord what he wants us to see today. And so in Ephesians chapter one, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but we'll also have it on the screen. Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, so that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now, Paul uses this great metaphor. He says, I'm praying that your eyes, the eyes of your heart, would be open. 
This idea that your eyes, but obviously our hearts don't have eyes, but in the deepest places of us would be open to the fact that we can know God. That we would be open to this. The eyes of our hearts. In fact, he goes back in verse 17. He says, The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. This word knowledge is not uh, knowledge the way we tend to think of knowledge, like knowing facts about something or about someone or, or, or knowing details about someone. We may know many things about Jesus. We may know lots of facts about who God is or what the Bible says. But this prayer is an openness to knowing him, to knowing him like we know our friends, like we know our spouse, like we know our kids. This prayer is an invitation to truly be open in the deepest places of who we are to know him. I remember a few years ago, one of my kids, he said, hey, dad, I don't need to go to church tomorrow. I said, okay, why not? He said, well, I've learned everything there is to know about God. I was like, great, we'll put you up front. We'll let you answer all the questions. I think he was eight at the time. And and some of us can, can be content with knowing facts about God and stop short of this invitation that Paul is praying for to know him, to know him as the most beautiful, as the most true, as the most satisfying, as that good relationship that we have been invited into. I'm not sure there's a better day than Easter Sunday to pray for this, to pray that the eyes of our hearts would be open to him. Now, there might be lots of things that keep us from having our eyes open. Maybe it's sort of this just everyday chase that we all kind of have for, for whatever that thing is that will satisfy us. We're kind of looking for, to the next thing to fill our cup. And, and yet so often that fills our cup and, and then it empties out again. And then we look to the next thing to fill our cup and it empties out again. And we're just looking and looking for something that is satisfying, something that will lead us to contentment, and it just keeps falling short. One author says it like this. He says, all of humanity is marked by an insatiable desire for fascination. We long for that which is unexplainable, intensely interesting, and unfathomable. But too often we settle for being temporarily fascinated by the things of the world. We look at concepts or cultures or man-made creations, and we find fascination in that which is meant to lead us to the one who is most fascinating. Research now is telling us that we're all being sort of trained just to find the next fascinating thing in 30-second reels, right? And if it's not done in 30 seconds, then we just move on to the next one. Move on to the next one and find the next reel. That, that's the way we're being trained. But the problem with fascination is that it's no longer fascinating once we know it. It continues to leave us with an empty cup. But is it possible that the hunger inside us for that which is fascinating is meant to be satiated in God alone? That's the prayer that our eyes would be open to know him as the satisfaction of our souls. And I would say it like this, the eyes of our heart in the deepest places of us, that he is the answer to the deepest desire that we have, even the ones that nobody knows about. 
Not only that, he's also the solution to the biggest ache we have, to the deepest ache we have. Again, the ones maybe we don't talk about very often, but the the deepest desire and the deepest ache, God is the answer for that. Because I want you to know, have your eyes of your hearts opened to be satisfied in him alone. This is the prayer. I've shared this before, but um, I've always been fascinated by this story about an interview with a guy named Charles Templeton. And Charles was, um, he was Billy Graham's partner in the beginning of Billy Graham's ministry. And so as Billy Graham was starting and doing all the things that he he would go on to do, uh, Charles Templeton, they were neck and neck partners. They were going to do this together. And yet Charles Templeton fell away. He decided that he did not believe in God. He decided he was an agnostic. In fact, he wrote a book called Farewell to God. My reasons for rejecting the Christian faith. And yet, years later, there was an interview with him at the end of his life. And the interviewer asks asks him, what do you think of Jesus? And this is the interviewer's perspective. Listen to this. He he says, what do you think of Jesus? And this is what he says. Templeton's body language softened. It was as if he suddenly felt relaxed and comfortable in talking about an old and dear friend. His voice, which at times had displayed such a sharp and insistent edge, now took on this melancholy, reflective tone. His guard seemingly down, he spoke in an unhurried pace, almost nostalgically, carefully choosing his words as he talked about Jesus. The interviewer was taken aback. He said, you sound like you really care about him. And he said, I I know it sounds strange to say this, but I, I adore him. In fact, he goes on to say, everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. And he said, and if I can put it this way, Templeton says, I miss him. This is a guy who has written a book about why he rejected Jesus. At the end of his life, what is his response? It's like, I miss him. Even if we haven't rejected Jesus, Is that the kind of relationship that we're growing in? This kind of relationship where where we know him and he knows us. The the deepest desire of our hearts and the deepest ache of our hearts are found in him. In fact, I believe God puts those there and allows those to be there so that we actually find what we actually desire in him. This is a prayer for all of us. That our eyes would be open to know him to know him like this. Secondly, this prayer, verse 18, he says, I pray that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? The second part of this prayer is is hope in the glorious inheritance. This first prayer is that our eyes would be open to God. Second prayer is that we would have hope to this glorious uh, inheritance. Now, imagine for a minute that you found out that in five years, you're gonna receive a life-changing inheritance. In five years, everything's going to change. It's the kind of inheritance that you recognize now. You will not have to pay any bills. You don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to worry about your future, really your kid's future, your grandkid's future. I mean, it's that kind of inheritance. That kind of inheritance would change you. Now, we all know that inheritance doesn't always change people in the right way. But just hypothetically, if we found out today that that was coming in five years, I think we would have less fear Less anxiety about the future. We might be more generous. We might decide, hey, I'm going I'm to do that thing that I've always wanted to do. The inheritance changes you. 
And that's what Paul is praying for, that a recognition of the inheritance that we have in Christ would change us. In in what way? It would give us, as he says, hope. Now, hope in the Christian sense is not the way we typically use it. We typically say, you know, I hope the sun comes out for our Easter pictures, right? That's what we hope. It's like wishful thinking, right? But hope in the biblical sense is an assurance. It's a certainty that what God has said he will do. The hope is based upon who God is, his faithfulness, his trustworthiness, his character. And so what hope is, is a certainty. And so the certainty is in our glorious inheritance. It changes us. And so if that's the case, then what is this glorious inheritance? Well, um, Paul speaks to this idea as he's talking more about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, he's talking about Christ if he's not raised. He says, if Christ is not raised, then your faith is futile, pointless, worthless. And you are still in your sins. He says, then those who have also fallen asleep, those who have already died in Christ have perished. If Christ has not resurrected, we're still in our sins and there is no life after death. But because Christ has died and rose from the dead, we are forgiven of our sins and there is life after death. He says this next, look at verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, he says, we are of all people most to be pitied. Yes, we have forgiveness of sins. Yes, we have an invitation to a relationship with God right now. But I don't want us to miss that this glorious inheritance that we have, life after death, changes us. This inheritance changes us right now. And if we think this has nothing to do with the future, then then we've missed it. And when Jamie read from those words of Jesus, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he still lives. You see, everyone who believes in Jesus, if we believe that Jesus came and he died on the cross for you and for me, and that he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death, if we believe that, that means that yes, we may die, but we will live with him forever. We will follow him in a resurrection like his. And we will live life eternal in a new heavens and a new earth. And that inheritance changes everything about us. Now, when Jesus was telling Mary and Martha this, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he, though he die yet, he still live. He asked this question at the end. He says, do you believe this? It's a great question for us on Easter Sunday. Do we believe that Jesus died for you and for me? That's what we deserved, but he died in our place. Do we believe that he conquered sin and death and that he will return and we will live with him forever in new heavens and a new earth? And if we believe it, does it change us? Does the inheritance change us? I don't know about you, but For me, most of my anxiety, most of my fear comes around the future. What if this happens? Or what if this doesn't happen? Or what if this, you know, we start to think about the future all the time and we have this fear and anxiety around it. But what Paul is praying for is an assurance, a hope of this glorious inheritance changes everything now. We have a peace 
We can know where we're going and we can know that he is with us in it. All because Jesus came and he rose from the dead. And so the prayer for us uh, in this prayer is that our eyes would be open to know God, to truly know him, uh, to walk with him, to understand who he is and to be known by him. And secondly, the prayer is that we would know the hope of our glorious inheritance in such a way that it shifts who we are now. And then thirdly, he prays this prayer. He says in verse 19 that we would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The third part of this prayer is that we would know not just know, but know the immeasurable power of the resurrection. The immeasurable power of the resurrection towards us. There's a power that if we believe in Jesus, we have. And what's the nature of this power? It's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Right? The way we measure power, the way we try to understand power or, or strength is, is by some measuring unit. I remember, uh, especially a couple of years ago in, uh, with um, the Olympics, uh, my son was fascinated by Usain Bolt and how fast he could run. And so he was like, hey, dad, take me outside and let's time and see if I can run as fast as Usain Bolt. I didn't need a timer, you know? <laughs> yep, you're not as fast as Usain Bolt, right? He's the measuring rod. But what's the measuring rod of power? It's raising life from death. This is the power that is in us if we believe in Jesus. This is the power that is towards us. This is the power that is through us. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the power that is available to us. The resurrection should marvel us that 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead. But it also should remind us that this is what we are walking around with. This kind of power the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. And again, I would say this, there's no better day than Easter Sunday to pray for this power. To pray that we would have eyes to see and that we would know this resurrection power in us. Now, this power is, is kind of scary to us. We're afraid of it sometimes. We're kind of like, uh, I, I'm content creating a world in which my world is, you know, I'm in control and everything kind of depends upon me. And that's how we often live, if we're honest. We kind of live that way. We're like, well, I've got everything kind of secured and, and fit into a box with control. And yet, what are we missing when we do that? And I think the more and more we live out of our own power, the more and more we live without a dependence upon God, it's like we're putting rocks in a river and we're damming up the river of God's power in us. But what if... What if we lived like this? What if we prayed like this? I've been convicted this week that my prayers oftentimes sound like I'm just praying for more of my own power. They're sort of weak prayers. What if we prayed for things that only God could do? What if we prayed that God would bring the healing and transformation that he alone can do in us? That he would free us from those things that, that lead us to addiction or, or lead us to hang-ups or just the ongoing challenges. Or that he would free us from uh, self-condemnation or shame. Or that he would free us from pride and defensiveness. What if we prayed that God would transform us the way the scriptures talk about with the power that rose Jesus from the dead? But not only if we prayed that 
God would work in us, but what if we prayed for that power to work through us? The power to forgive that person that is just too hard to forgive. Or, or, or the power to love those difficult people that you have to interact with every single day. Or the power to serve in such a way like Jesus served, not, not to be served, but just to serve. The power to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. The power to be used of God in a way that would only be described as used of God. This is the prayer. The resurrection is not just a historical event that happened 2,000 years ago. It is that. Praise God. But it is also a power in us that God has given us to live out so that we can be utterly dependent upon him alone and that changes the way we live today. See, this is Paul's prayer. And I want to invite us to make this our prayer today. That our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, the deepest parts of us, we open to knowing God. And that the truth of our glorious inheritance, the truth of where we're going, the assurance of that would change how we live right now. And that we would pray for resurrection power in us and through us because it's all from him. Let's pray together and make that our prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning, the celebration of the resurrection. And we pray, Lord, that this would be our prayer on a day and a weekend where there's many things going on. Would this moment right now be an honest moment between us and you? That the, that the deepest desire in our heart and the deepest ache in our soul would be found in you. Would you open the eyes of our heart to know you and to continue to grow in knowing you? And Lord, would you allow the inheritance that is ours to change us, to give us assurance and hope and peace because we know the future. And would you, Lord, give us resurrection power that is only from you to follow you, to trust you, to walk with you, to interact with others, to love people, to all the things you've called us to do because you've empowered us to do so. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.